Welcome back to GLF Live, the official podcast of the Global Landscapes Forum. We all consume commodities every day, from the coffee we drink in the morning, to the oil and gas that fuel our cars and heat our homes, to the palm oil in many of our foods, our lives would be unimaginable without the raw materials that we extract in vast quantities from the earth. But how often do we pause to think about the people who provide us with these fundamental resources, or that these people might be women? Women for whom commodities represent huge economic opportunities and the chance for equality with the men in their communities. Women's lives can be revolutionized if they can be given fair access to the growing and extraction of major crops. So in today's episode, we're joined by two special guests, a Ugandan farmer and a gender expert, to explore some of the intersections between gender and supply chains. Hi everyone, I'm Gabrielle Lipton, the editor of Landscape News for the Global Landscapes Forum, and welcome to GLF Live. We are here to talk about a topic that is finally getting the attention it deserves, that is the crucial role that women play in the value chains of some of our most beloved commodities, coffee, chocolate, palm, livestock. Many of these products that carry us through our everyday lives can be traced back to rural women working day in and day out while not receiving fair inclusion in decision-making processes or representation in legal systems or worthy benefits from private companies. But this conversation is not going to dwell on why women are crucial for the future of value chains because there's plenty of literature and conversations out there about this topic already. What we're here to talk about today is uh, to dig into how women's fair inclusion and benefits can be achieved. This is a very actionable conversation, we hope, and one that informs projects and decisions by those who are taking the time to listen here today. And we thank you so much for carving out space to join us. Um, So yeah, we hope that you take what you hear today and carry this forward in your work and in your lives. So now I will introduce you to our two incredible speakers. First, we have Patty Christiansen, a senior gender, agricultural, and forest landscape specialist working with the agriculture and environment groups at the World Bank. She leads gender initiatives for the Food Systems Land Use and Restorations Impact Program. Uh, Its acronym is F-O-L-U-R, FOLOR. And she also leads gender initiatives for the Global Partnership for Sustainable and Resilient Landscapes, the acronym PROGREEN. And these are two ambitious partnership programs that contribute to sustainable and transformational change in global food systems. Uh, So she's really working at a top-notch level. And she's also been based in Africa for more than 20 years of her career, where she's designed and led and managed diverse agricultural and food system research and development partnerships with the CGIAR. And she's highly recognized for her passion pursuing innovative approaches aimed at linking knowledge with action. So that's exactly what we're here to do today. And we have with us, joining from Uganda, Constance Okalit, a farmer who is who's absolutely incredible work as the chairperson for the Osokuru United Women's Network, also known as Climate Wise Women, has elevated her from her home in the Tororo district of Eastern Uganda to a voice of power and inspiration on the international stage. I've had the privilege of hearing her speak before and she's just incredible. We're so lucky to have her with us here today. I will note that her connection is a little choppy due to a storm coming through her village, uh, but hopefully it will stay stable through this discussion. Uh, and I'll go back to say that through the program she's created, Climate Wise Women, she's worked with some 12, uh, 1,200 women's groups, helping educate rural women and build their capacities to earn livelihoods, all while facing climate change in a very real way. So we're going to hear some really incredible uh, stories from her. So welcome to our speakers. We're just going to jump right in here. Uh, And we'll start with you, Patty. You lead the gender work for the program I mentioned before, Food Systems, Land Use, and Restoration Impact Program, FOLOR, a major program funded by the Global Environment Facility, which is focused on transforming the value chains of eight major commodities across 27 countries to become more environmentally sustainable. So this is a huge program in short. Can you tell us how the FOLOR program incorporates women's empowerment into its programming? Thanks, Gabrielle. And it's an absolute pleasure to be here with both of you. Thank you for inviting me. Yes, yeah, so as you said, so Fuller 
And actually, uh, the other program I work with, Pro Green, um, that the World Bank supports, they both recognize that food systems need to be transformed. They need to be more efficient. They need to be more environmentally sustainable, but also increasingly a recognition that they need to be more equitable. Uh, so what does this mean? As you mentioned, we, we know that rural women are absolutely critical for agricultural and the environment. They're very involved throughout the uh, you know, supply chains from production to consumption, uh, food to fork and beyond, as it's often said. We also know they're very neglected. They are financially underserved. Uh, they're not getting the, the kinds of technical information, appropriate technologies, rural services, such as agricultural extension. So we can see this as a problem, but it's actually also a huge opportunity. And the programs I'm working with, we want to see these as an opportunity. We want to highlight the opportunities for governments, for investors, for service for providers, for private sector agribusinesses to jump on this opportunity. Let's do more about gender and making this world a little more gender equal in, in uh, all kinds of places, not just in Africa. So, so, but your question was, what, what is Fuller doing, uh, for example? So at the global platform for this program, which covers 27 countries and many, many partnerships with a lot of organizations, we're trying to provide guidance and support to country project teams um, for including gender inclusive actions and activities. So, so what do we mean by gender-focused activities? Well, these include anything that tries to make sure that women in particular are participating more actively in project activities. And you can do this through targets. You can set quotas for women on committees. Um, most importantly, you can budget for it. You can really consciously at the beginning of any project or initiative budget these kinds of things. And we see that as a huge gap. Beyond that, training is absolutely crucial and capacities strengthening in um, making uh, women and, and also those that have just been marginalized traditionally, um, certain ethnic groups, for example, youths uh, uh, and others. How do we get them more involved in landscape level planning? in agroforestry activities, in forest management uh, activities, in agricultural extension. Um, so trainings loom large. So for example, um, in some of our fuller project, country projects, um, they are supporting uh, women's leadership uh, training and also financial related trainings for women. And these are included in, in value chains covered in these projects, such as cocoa in Cote d'Ivoire and Ghana, or coffee in Ethiopia, Kenya, Uganda, for example. So, and I'm sure we'll hear more from Constance, some of the kinds of things that are working also. Thank you so much, Patty. So many good points noted there um, that I hope our listeners can take up with them about setting targets, budgeting for gender inclusion, and then the different types of trainings that you meant on different forms of literacy, digital literacy, financial literacy, leadership liter literacy. These are all crucial skills um, that ensure that women just aren't included, but they're able to include, be included in an active manner. Uh, so thank you for sharing some of what your program is doing. Uh, so Constance, I'd like to give you a question now, and that is uh, in your village, in your day-to-day -day life, what does gender equality look like in an agricultural community? And perhaps you can share a story or two about a community that went from being less equitable for women to more equi equitable so we can compare and contrast, excuse me, contrast the differences. So Constance, over to you. Thank you very much for inviting me for this Zoom because uh, it's like uh, we are not left behind. First and foremost, the past, the women used to suffer so much. 
The women used to carry the whole burden in a home. The women used to, to work a lot before gender equity. Then when we started the network, the network started a lot of sensitization, refusing the hard labor of the women and saying no to the bad things that the women are facing. And now what we do, we talk about gender equity, how about the men, how about the youth, how about the, the, the young girls, about the old women and everybody inclusive. Now, before that, we used to have um, women walking long distance looking for water, women going to look for firewood, women coming back and doing a lot of activities in the home. The man used not to do anything. The man could just sit and wait. Instead, they will again beat the woman. There was a lot of uh, gender domestic violence in a home and uh, more so with the girl child and the mother they would be beaten like uh, like a snake let me say but of recent with a lot of move move movement because we have our movement is a, is a great one and here what we do we talk about gender equity how should it be why should there be domestic violence and yet we are all one we are all one blood. And why should you beat your friend like that? As if you didn't woo her, but at the end of the day, things are now working. We are now pushing towards the gender-free um, gender community. And uh, we are now getting resp uh, positive response to, the, to the, that gender equity. Now with climate change, climate change used to, because when, it, when we talk about climate change, it comes, we look, at, we look at floods that came, swept the whole village, and you find that people were not happy, women were looking for food, the men were there, women work 24 hours, like, like 24 hours in a day, but now we are doing what? We are, we are washing away all those hard, strong days of women. We are pushing it away slowly, 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 but we are coming to it. So we don't need that issue of uh, making some other people slaves. No, we shouldn't be slaves because we have a lot of activities that we do. We have a lot of um, work that we do at individual level, at group level, and with other stakeholders like government. So we are now moving away from that hard time to that time that everybody is peaceful, not stressed, but we are doing something for everybody. And everybody has to do not leaving it for this only woman. At the end of the day, again, the woman is beaten for free, for nothing, and yet we are the bread, bread winners in a home. My group is called Osukru United Women Network. It's a group of farmers that came together and we said, let us work in a group. We can be helped better than having individual person at the level of homestead, there you cannot get all the services. It's a group for the voiceless. So what we do, we do our agriculture at group level. We do savings and credit. We do stove. We have the cook stoves. We have the, the briquettes. We, so we do a lot of trainings and uh, we call the, gov the local government to come and train us on those, those issues that we may not know. So if we are trained, we can learn and then do it at our level. Now, the issue of uh, 
having all this is to empower a woman at that level. How can a person is the making? These days, we, the women, we sit around and we talk, and at the end of the day, you will find that even a woman can make a decision in a home. There's a, a change moving towards the best. Uh -huh. Thank you so much, Constance. Thank you so much for sharing the perspective that you have, which is so valuable and talking about what gender equality looks like in a very real way, because it shows why these conversations and why actions of programs are so important um, and they need to happen quickly. And it's just incredible what's happened in your own community over time through refusing to tolerate um, such levels of inequality and the change that you've seen through conversations, through trainings in response to that power of saying no. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. And um, we'll come back to some of the points that you made later in this conversation. Uh, but I'll move back to you for now, Patty. What kinds of new approaches are available for governments and investors who want to take action on this and see more reliable su supply chains that are more equitable and empower women more than they currently do? No, indeed. How, how do we um, better assist uh, the kinds of groups that Constance is, is leading and, and working with? So new approaches. So it's absolutely critical, of course, to continue working with governments. Governments have got to do a better job at providing the enabling environment for private sector to thrive. If you think about it, farmers, small agribusinesses are private sector. They're entrepreneurs first and foremost, but they need the enabling environment, the kinds of policies that you mentioned in working with your local government. I, I found there's a lot of change that happens from the bottom up. So that is very powerful. Increasingly, you know, our programs are also looking at working with um, the private sector companies, the big food companies, those big evil Food companies, you know, they're not so evil and they're and they're coming together into coalitions and organizations and they are very, very conscious about um, environmental goals. They're committed to things like zero deforestation. So you've got organizations like the International Coffee Organization or the Roundtable on Sustainable Palm, the World Cocoa Foundation. Now, these companies and coalitions are increasingly not just um, committed to environmental goals, but they're thinking about gender equality aims. And they're asking, how can we do this better? which is exactly what Fuller and other programs uh, are also asking. So what are these best practices? Okay, well, some of these companies are now putting more women in senior positions on their boards. They're looking at their plantations and farms um, in terms of safe working condi conditions for everyone, but women all in particular. Equal pay still looms large. They're providing childcare facilities for the first time. Um, so we can actually help by making these kinds of actions that, that are being taken now. Let's make them more visible. Let's share these stories and, and work with them um, more closely. I'm also um, very excited, Gabrielle, about a new approach called the Women's Empowerment Standard, or W plus for short. It's, um, it's a standard or a certificate that is internationally uh, recognized and it certifies projects or firms um, that are taking actions that visibly and can be measurably shown to empower women. So Constance, for example, you've been working on uh, with communities on climate change and you should be working uh, with these groups to access carbon payments. But now we also, have uh, an opportunity to, to um, try to access women's empowerment payments. Now, this is very new. Uh, the market is just being um, shaped as we speak, uh, but the carbon market didn't exist 10 years ago either. So uh, I'm very excited about the prospects for a women's empowerment 
uh, market and payments directly to women in these communities um, for the wonderful work that they're doing. Thanks so much, Patty. Uh, thanks for raising this new initiative around women's empowerment payments. It's super interesting. It's something I've heard a little bit about, but as you said, I think it's just a budding field at the moment. And so I hope that anyone who's listening, especially any journalists, they might want to dig into that a bit more and raise that up because we've seen the power of carbon credits. We've seen the power of attaching money to some of these issues. And if we can do that with gender equality, um, that opens a lot of avenues to make swifter progress than there has been historically. Uh, so thanks for raising that. Uh, Constance, we're going to go back to you now on some of the things that Patty just touched upon, um, but to dig more into, which is the work of your women's network and the education work that you've done on climate change, on planting trees, on planting nurseries, on the cook stoves that you mentioned before. Could you tell us a bit more about how you've seen this empower women? All right, now like uh, the issue of the trainings on the cook stoves, on the briquettes, tree planting, and other things. Actually, before we would suffer a lot. We would go long distance looking for firewood. We would go long distance looking for water. We would go long distance looking for food because when climate change comes in, it destroys everything. Then one day, one time we sat and said, why all this? And this is something that we don't know. And we said, maybe it is God trying to punish and to reduce the population because like uh, the whole population is what? The, the, the population is big and now everything cannot do what? Cannot work. Then at the end of the day, we sat, we said, no, this cannot be done alone. This can be done with, with groups, with the other people, with the friends, that when you call them together, you can put ideas together, get the, the, the identify the problem, and at the end of the day, you get the solution. And it is what we are doing now. We, we identify our problems, we get the solution, and we, we continue with the living because like when we say tree planting, when we don't come up with the bylaw of tree planting, we may not get back the forest because we, be, before we had the forest, there was no floods at all. There was no sunshine. There was the three, the, the, the two seasons in a year, but now there's no season at all. It's just a gamble with agriculture when it rains, put it. When it doesn't rain, continue preparing. So there's no season that you said this is our first season, this is our second season, but you just continue planting and doing something that you do what? Something that you can do to help yourself. So when we sit in a, on a round table, we find that plant trees, when planting trees and cutting, cut one, plant five plus. That one is a bylaw and we are working with it. And when you go to every home, you will find big trees. It is only branches that is being cut and the, 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 it is for cooking. And when we plant the, 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 the fruit trees, we don't cut them because that is for food. It helps during hunger season because famine comes, people must eat. When you have the avocado, you eat, you drink water, you call it a day. So now with all that, then when we go to briquettes, briquettes, we get it, we sell it, we, we make it, then we sell it and we use some. So you find that in a home, these days there's reduced domestic violence. It is helping us a lot to release stress from us. We get money out of all those activities with small, small monies. I don't see, say that we have a lot of money, but we get our small, small monies to, to you keep uh, some money that it can help you in time, time. get a book and then you, you the child is what? The child uh, goes to school. 
when you have, or maybe you don't have food, you get a, a kilo of posho and you eat. So we don't mean that we have money year in, year out, but at least something in the pocket. Then we have the kitchen garden. The kitchen garden makes us to eat every year in, year out, because the water that we use for washing place, we can pour it there and it keeps the garden green and it makes food. Then we make sure that we are not hungry all the time. Though when, if the worst comes to the worst, we go hungry. If the, the worst, the, the best come to the best, we eat. So it is a, a probability, half-half. And I'm happy with the, with the party, what she said, that uh, there's the women empowerment. For us at our local level, we are saying we are empowering our women with this knowledge of uh, tree planting, we are empowering our women of, with the agriculture, maybe modern agriculture, how to grow food. When we call the, the, the sub-county agriculture officer helps us in identifying the sickness of the crop. So we say we are empowering our women to do most of the activities at that level. But the empowerment that party talked about is very important and very sweet that uh, when I will tell my women, they will jump and they, <laughs> they will jump and dance because it is something that is going to help them more. They are going to have bigger money in the pocket than what they used to have because it is not even hard, not even there for them. They don't even know about it, you see. So it is something that they would maybe wish to have it immediately because it will save them a lot of uh, problems. Though they, there are those problems in a home. You can't say that there is no problem because everybody has no money. Everybody has money, but not all has the money. Mm? Everybody is not rich or medium, but there are very poor people also in the community that we need to join hands and see to it that everybody has come out up to live well and in the simplest way that we used to live. Because I always tell people that when I was growing up, I used to live, uh, we used to live a simple, easy life. Eh? When you jump like this, you will jump into cassava, you eat. When you jump like this, you get the granites, you eat. When you jump the other side, you jump everywhere, food around you. There was no problem. There was no domestic gen this gender issue of uh, food uh, beating. Because I grew up, I saw my father not beating my mother at all. But such things, when we put them together, we make life easy because every problem has a solution. You will not say that that problem is hard. I can't solve it. Every problem has a solution. And that's why we say we come together, we talk, we lobby, we ask government, we ask NGOs to come on our rescue so that we can develop, so that our, the next generation can also come up and live the better life that everybody needs to live. Huh? Yeah. Thank you so much, Constance. I think your message there about creating and spreading solutions to problems and putting more money into the pockets of women and the immediate impact that that has on their well being and their health and their lives is so powerful and especially hearing it from you on what that, how quickly that can change women's lives and just the rapidity in which that change can be achieved. Uh, so we're gonna switch gears a little bit, which is we're gonna go into inclusion in decision-making processes, which is crucial. If women aren't involved in how decisions are made, then the pace of change is just gonna be ever slower for them. Um, so Patty, with the, with the starting point of including women in decision-making processes, how do we make this active? What does their active participation look like and how do we get there? Mm -hmm. 
That's a key question. Uh, and Constance, you, you remind me of something my father used to always say, and he'd say to me, every problem is an opportunity. And I, I, love, <laughs> I love the way you're talking about working together in, in, in collaboration. And, you know, it's the most powerful thing we do, working together, but it's also the toughest, isn't it? Um, so, yeah. so what does it take to, to really have very effective groups and uh, I, I think Constance will know she's showing strong leadership that's so key but we need it from the men too um, good facilitation is actually you know so vital to to these processes and bring people together um, we're trying more and more to demonstrate equitable participatory processes what what do they look like how can we do them more efficiently and effectively and this is training of both men and women and again leadership training we we should not underestimate that and another thing i keep coming back to is quotas and uh fun fact did you know iceland which is the most gender equitable country in the world has relied heavily on quotas and continues to. Quotas for women in parliament, on boards of companies, uh, for CEO positions, etc. And of course, if you've got quotas, you've got to enforce them. And so, you know, women presidents, women prime ministers make a huge difference in helping mm -hmm. this. Another lesson from Iceland is the importance of childcare and uh, equal maternity and paternity leave. Now, you can sort of say this is sometimes a, a level above some of the, you know, things we're thinking about at the African community level, but all, all countries need to be thinking about this and looking at countries like Iceland and Costa Rica and others that are just doing a tremendous job on gender equality. Um, coming back to the to, to the groups at community level, communication efforts are really, really critical. We're learning, you know, less advantaged people need to know about what policies and programs are available. They need to know how to apply to them, uh, how to write a business plan. Mm -hmm. uh, so mm -hmm. making these things easier for people. Um, choosing more convenient places for them to do it, where the women are gathering, at the markets, at the church, at the schools, times that make sense for them, um, and, and providing some real basic assistance um, to people that are trying to, to get involved and, and be more involved in committees and and applying for programs and projects. So I, I would say those are our, and they're fairly simple things. They're, this is not major expenses for projects, programs, and I'd like to see the private sector investing more in this personally, not just governments. Thanks a lot, Patty, and thanks for making that comparison to a country that we can look to for what this, how, how we get there and what it looks like with such things as quotas in place and stuck to and used over a period of time. I think that's a really valuable lesson. Uh, Constance, we will go back to you. Um, and this is a question kind of linking the work that you do and linking the work of Patty, which is when you and the women in your community are working with outside organizations and international organizations and your experience what do you wish they would do differently to support women better okay now like uh, what Fatia said our problem is uh, we are all rural uneducated on the village level and we are just trying to change the world according to our local knowledge putting the local local knowledge into i call it science i don't know but uh, the local the local knowledge the indigenous knowledge that helps do change we that can change the whole system which is right now that is climate change because mm -hmm. like when we like when we sit and we say what is our local knowledge about the season 
when we see the birds moving in a in a flock, when we see the the the, the trees, some trees mm -hmm. flowering, when we see so that is the indigenous knowledge put into science and we make something. But the issue of uh, saying that maybe we have to, to write, maybe like a proposal. A proposal, we have it, we have the knowledge, we have everything, but we don't know how to write proposals. Um, proposals, people go to school to get proposals. But for us, we are at the local level, producing food, doing that and everything. We didn't go to school to write mm. for, to maybe to, to learn about writing proposals. And that's how we miss a lot of funding from international uh, funders, international donors. And for us, we say, even if we miss, let us do our own to help our communities and to, and to make change into our communities. The person who will now come to help us will come and help us with maybe proposal writing, maybe will come down to the community to see, to us, and then when we see it in the community with that person, we'll get our knowledge and put it into paper. Then after doing that, it will help us and uh, we shall get something, but we shouldn't just sit and wait. We should do something while moving, while waiting for something or while hoping for something to come uh, to us. Now, the issue, why am I saying, the, uh, why am I talking about proposal writing? There are so many people who write proposals about communities, they pick, they are given the money and they use that money for other things. Then they mm. come, they take pictures, they go, they get, uh, they attach, they send and they are given funds because they went to school to learn mm. about proposal writing. But for us, we didn't go to school for proposal mm. writing, but we have those, the knowledge about it. Then, we have those ones also uh, who write proposals about us, but the money does not reach us. So that's why we say, let us do our own things. The well-wisher who can come and help us will come, will get us on the way. Let us not just sit and wait. We can't wait because it's, it's, it's uh, on us. It's not them. Like party now can help us but we cannot wait for her to come and begin for us. We begin, she gets us on the way. Like what I'm going to tell the people about the empowerment of women, the women will be happy, but they will be working and moving. They will not wait, no, it is coming. Let us wait, it is coming. No, we shall say, we continue, it will come, it will get us on the way. So there, those are some of the issues with, with us, the local people, the community people, and, uh, and also what I can add about uh, the issue of bringing all these women together and having decision, not all the community members have accepted because they are different knowledge, they are different creation. There are different people because you cannot force somebody to do something. You go with the people who see that what you are doing is good, what the group is doing is good, and they come, they join, they move together, they agree, they accept to be trained, and they do what the others are doing. But there are those ones also who just sit and watch. So we don't work with those ones. We work with these ones who come, listen, go back home and implement what we are doing. When we say we bring back the forest, have a quarter piece of land, quarter piece of land, or an eighth of your piece of land, leave there to be a forest. A small, we will call it a forest because that small thing, it will, when we add it up, it will bring a bigger thing. Because in that small forest you have, you have the medicine, the traditional medicine. You will have the food. 
in that small forest. You will have the, the, the firewood in that forest because you will it will get uh, a forest, the wood uh, dries, then you just go and pick, you don't cut. Then you will get the clean air out of that forest. You will get everything you need, the nature. Eh? You get the snakes, you will get the, the those wild animals. You get you see different types of animals that use not these days, which is not there. So we do a lot of those, uh, a lot of activities concerning the planet. We don't want the planet to drown. We want the planet to continue. We want our lives. We want the lives of these generations. We want the lives of our mothers. Because when we leave stress to kill them, we shall also die about stress. So what do we do? We, we, we say, no, let us do something to do what? To keep us going. So that's what we do. And we are living, we are trying. We only see, we only say that, uh, or we only beg that when such projects come, people should just come down to the community before asking for proposals, people in the city know how to write proposals. They went to mm. the universities to write proposals. But for us in the community, who helps us? So if people could just come, mm -hmm. like Betty come to our home, come to our community and see and meet the women and get the problems and get the, the solutions, they will even tell you the solutions, what they are mm -hmm. doing and why they are doing it. and why should why should they do it so all will be told and then there you can go and write a proposal about it and you give us the money and we get rich we shall also be like ours because we others because we have the hope thank you so much <laughs> Uh, so many wise words. It reminded me a lot of the saying that not to give a man a fish, but to teach a man to fish. And yes. I feel that that's what yes. you're asking for is for just that bit of knowledge. So you can, as you said, the women will take action. They'll do the work. They're ready to do it. They just need that startup, um, that startup uh, piece of that startup piece of knowledge to do it themselves. Um, thank you so much for sharing. Uh, so we are um, running out of time here. So we're going to end on a topic that is critically important and which Constance, you just mentioned in your last answer, and that is money. And that is what, honestly, <laughs> a lot of this is about. It's about getting money into the pockets of women. It's so important. It can't be understated. Um, so Constance, we'll start with you and just a, a, a few of your thoughts on what are some more ways that women can get more money into their pockets? What are some avenues that need to be taken by projects, by programs, by governments, by communities, any ways that we can increase um, the amount of money that women are taking home for their efforts? Now, the issue of money is one. We need a lot of um, sensitization because we need to work as a movement. All women, children, everybody must go in and say, let us move in one direction to change the environment. Now, now, moving into one direction, we have no floods year in, year out. We have the little money in the pocket, not without money, and we have our lives better. No sickness in the body, no what, but we have the healthy body that we used to have. Me, I am a big woman, I'm tall and big, but I used to, to dig, uh, uh, when I go to the garden, I dig like I could, I could harvest like two, three granaries of food. But these days I can't because of climate change. Now, what we would think more about money in the pocket, we would have um, people coming in to help us increase on our savings because we have our savings, it's very little and it can't do bigger business increase on the savings so that we can add money 
take it, do business, bringing back the community to, to, to the group, and the business is expanded. And another one also, we should have value addition on our pro, pro, products. Like we are growing maize, we don't have the value addition pro, process. We just sell the raw materials to other people who go and add value at the end of the day, they get more money than us. So we should get rid of the middlemen. How can we do our own business at so that people could come also to look at, to see and take away our food, maybe food that we have put, we have added value into it and sell higher and we get money. And how should we, should we get that value addition? How should we be trained? Those trainings on capacity, capacity building, on leadership skills, on group dynamics, on how can we than how we are living now? Because there's those, there, there are people who can do that, but without money, you cannot do it. And uh, maybe to have uh, the, the machines, eh? like the plows, the ox plow, to, for quick opening of gardens, so that the, 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 the food is planted, so that you, are, you catch up with the season. Then that one also can, after that, you begin plowing and have uh, trainings in other projects, other programs. These women don't like it. They, uh, they sell some, they, even eating a bird at a home is a problem. So we need even them to eat the bird, to eat the chicken so that they can do what? So that they can be healthy and uh, not to be sick anyhow. We want them also to eat the pig because pork is something good. We want also them to take the milk because milk is also something good, nutritious for the body and the children. So such things can be what? There are those ones who make decisions, yes, but they don't uh, decide on what. It is still some few men still make decisions and they leave out the women empowered to have that decision making sit on a round table making decisions with your children and then you find that thing is what it's okay yeah i was saying about decision making we want to be to empower the women to have more more decision making uh in a home they should also sit on a round table with the children and do decision make a decision uh, be empowered other than men making decision for others. That in my group, we have the men, we have the youth, we have uh, all, but the, the, the women are the majority. Thank you, Constance. Thanks for linking so many topics back to <laughs> Uh, the value of a dollar. Uh, and if we can increase savings for women, it can link to all sorts of ways of improving their health, improving their power in the household. Uh, there's just so much that stems from that. Uh, Patty, we'll go to you now to answer a similar question about avenues for increasing financial benefits to women. And then also perhaps any closing remarks that you'd like to make. Great, thank you, Gabrielle. Well, I, I'm not sure I can add too much to Constance's eloquence here. Um, she said it very well. Um, I was thinking of a few examples of projects I've come across over the years. Um, a tree planting program in central Kenya where payments um, were going directly to women on their, on their own cell phones uh, through a, thing, uh, a system called M-Pesa 
the women were the ones planting and nurturing and keeping the trees growing, making sure they were measured. There was a very transparent way of monitoring that the trees were still growing over time and they could show it um, via satellite on the map and the women got re recognized for their labor. And that was very important to them as well as these fairly small payments, but payments that went directly to them so they could control them and use them as they wanted. Um, that was that the women, when I interviewed them, they found that very, very important um, part of it. The recognition and the direct payment. Um, in Togo, um, local women's groups um, working on getting carbon payments again from land restoration work. Um, they're small local groups, but they connected through WhatsApp uh, on their cell phones to the climate change national group in the capital um, uh, working on red. Um, so I, I, again, I guess, you know, strong groups that work together, they include the men and, and don't alienate them, uh, work with them as much as they can. Um, but let's help more with thinking about how technologies such as cell phones or social media or, um, Constance, you made me think of uh, citizen science. It, it's absolutely, you know, true. You you guys know the best trees and the best techniques for things and water management. And, uh, it's not that that knowledge isn't there. Uh, how, how do we, um, you know, through cell phones, talk to thousands, tens of thousands of farmers and get get their wisdom? You know, we did. We've always done these small little surveys, and and I do want to come to your village and sit down with you and your ah. and the women you work with. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> I always learn so much. So I, I think I'll leave it like that. I, I want yes. to come. And thank you yeah. so much for sharing um, both of you and for arranging this, Gabrielle. It's, it's been lovely. Thank you so much. Um, it has indeed been lovely, um, and it's been really nice to hear the interplay between what you both have been saying and all the many connections. Coming up next week on the GLF Live podcast, we'll be taking a look at some of the devastating oil spills that have affected Latin America this year and what we can do about them. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to leave us a rating or write us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts and reach out to us on social media with the hashtag GLFLive. And for everything you need to know about landscapes, ecosystems, and climate change, check out our website at globallandscapesforum.org. We'll see you on the next one.